Welcome everybody to the Mongols Preview Show. I am Justin. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC, part of the Beautiful Game Network. I know I say that every week, but we love all three of them. I've got Steve with me here again today. Steve, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I got today. I'm doing pretty good. I all right. don't have much time to think about anything right now. I'm working on a huge <laughs> work project, but it's it's tedious, and I don't want to be doing it, but it needs to be done. So, Yay, yeah. school and work. <laughs> Fun stuff. So that's where my brain has been all day. That's what I got for <laughs> you. I don't know. I'm good, I think. We can start there. Uh, let's, uh, let's. I guess we'll start off with the obvious. Hey, somehow the Philadelphia Union 2 got a result against Hartford Athletic last night. Therefore, your Riverhounds are one win away from clinching the group. That's true. And it knocks out the three bottom teams from playoff contention officially now. So um, we kind of expected it to happen, but we know that it's going to be the Hounds and Hartford. Uh, yep, a win and we're in. Even if Hartford beats us, it may not matter for them. So, uh, but I mean, hey, you were on the show on Monday night. I think you selected six points from the remaining two games. I kind of agree. I don't see any reason we're not going to have the capability to win both of those games. Um, yeah, I expect to see us sitting at hopefully 37 points in a couple weeks. Can't find a reason why not. <laughs> it's it's pretty simple, I guess. You know, I guess, you know, the Hounds are on a five-game winning streak, a five-game shutout streak. Uh, okay, so <laughs> here's my real question. Are loud and as bad as they look in the table? No. Okay. No, no I think they're. The dogs disagree. My, my, my dogs <laughs> disagree with that, apparently. Um, I'm glad we addressed that now. I can just leave the dogs growling in, in, the, in the show. Yeah. Um, my dogs disagree with the fact that loud and as bad as they seem or not. Anyway, no, I don't. I don't think Loudon is as bad as they seem in the table. I think they're pretty close to. I, I think they're closer to to Hartford than they are Union Two. I think they've just gotten unlucky a little bit this season, and mm -hmm. they're just like a couple pieces away from being competitive. Mm -hmm. I think they've got some really good players. I think Endor is a really good player. Um, and I, I think he's going to cause problems. I mean, I think he can cause problems in the USL, given the right team around him. I think Amastafa is a fast midfielder, mm -hmm. winger type player, and um, is going to cause problems, yeah. <laughs> you know, with a better team. So I think it it's it's unfortunate because I think they're a couple pieces away still, but mm -hmm. I think it's it's obvious to me that they're not that far away. Well. And I think a big part of it, and I don't know why I haven't really thought of this before, but it kind of hit me this week, um, probably because I've watched a couple of DC games uh, in the past couple weeks, and I'm starting to realize, oh, Eric Sorga, Griffin Yao, um, a couple other players, uh, Moses Neiman, right? Like, guys that were expected to be down at Loudoun all season long, <clears throat> uh, having the opportunity to continue to develop, to continue to get stronger all of a sudden getting pulled up to D.C. because D.C.'s just been decimated by injuries this season. Um, so I think that has something to do with it as well as like that roster instability. They kind of started with some of those guys early in the season, 
those guys got pulled away. Then they had to kind of reset, figure out how to play without some of the guys that were projected to be starters. Now they're starting to hit their stride again too late in the season, I think. But had that happened in a full 34-game uh, season, they might have been able to pull some things together, I think, and, and looked a lot better at the end of it. But when you've got such a short, short season... Um, and, you know, they still got three games left, so, you know, they could jump up closer to uh, to the middle of the table in the group out of five teams. Yeah, yeah. Fourth or third. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the Union, too, had similar issues. I think also just the protocols of MLS and USL mm-hmm. and keeping those rosters separate and all this kind of stuff um, has made that difficult. I think also, I mean, I think the Union, too, also, like, the players that they kind of... The players that they kind of expected to be on Union 2, who have been with the Union all season long, are also 16, 17-year-olds. It's not like these guys are 18, 19, and, and ready to start in USL. They're still 16, 17, and probably, you know, a, a best of platform player in USL. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, they're getting, you know, 15-minute, 10-minute, 5-minute cameos at the MLS level, which is probably cooler than, I don't know, is, is cool. But it also, I'm not sure that they were even ready to make a competitive usl team um but i think loudon was probably in a little bit of a different scenario that some of those guys could have made loudon united a lot more competitive um if they hadn't been stuck with dcl season so yeah i mean it's it's interesting to think about some of those some of the bottom teams i'm not sure where red bull is in this situation i'm not sure compared to their teams comparatively i'm not sure i know a little bit more about uh, you know a little bit more about union and mm-hmm. I feel like uh, Loudon has challenged us every time we've played them. I mean, we've beaten them three times and, and by margins, but, you know, three, two, and one, <laughs> respectively. But I think I think they the games were more challenging than, than the games against Union 2. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. It wasn't the yeah. six, six, six yeah. nothing, four nothing. You right. know, it was, they it were was... just more challenging. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um... And I think the big difference there is that, for me, Loudon can handle this, uh, the compact defensive nature uh, that the Hounds can throw at them uh, and the ball movement, right? Like, they, they, they figured out a game plan of how to pin our uh, wing backs back and expose some space. I mean, you guys did a good job of talking about that on Monday. Um, whereas Philly just relied, it seemed, a lot more on the individual talent of one or two players to kind of break through in their games against us didn't happen in their games against other people i assume it looked similar um and then they get results like uh, tying hartford athletic and changing the dynamics of the group drastically with that or at least the first second standings for hounds and in hartford with that that draw so um not the only game that happened last night though i mean there were what seven games slated to be played last night uh Two of them were postponed. We'll see if they get made up or not. So the, the New Mexico, Rio Grande got postponed, and then the Memphis, North Carolina game got postponed. I have no idea about that first one. I haven't looked at that group closely. Um, I find the Memphis, North Carolina one interesting because that could potentially have playoff implications. Um, but yeah, then there were, there were five other games. Um, the other one that really sticks out to me... Um, Indy 11, St. Louis. It was St. Louis's for the taking and ended up being a 1-1 draw. So now St. Louis has to get a result against Louisville and then beat Indy uh, to uh, have the chance to advance. 
Um, Actually, the the sadder thing about that game is in the middle of the game, that game was Indies for the taking, playing up two men. Uh, I, so I've not watched the not, game at all? I have no idea. This is interesting. I love it. Tell I just, me about the game. I, I didn't watch the game either. I just saw, I, I was, you know, watching Twitter and Discord go crazy last night because at some point in the game, St. Louis went down one man and then, and then a few minutes later they went down to two. They went down to nine players on the field. So they finished the game 11 v 9 and somehow Indy was not able to, to score a goal. And somebody on the Discord uh, the Steel Army Discord said something to the effect of, well, Indy can't really score unless they have a, a, a way to cross to Tyler Pasher. And if he's not on a counter, then they really don't have any way to score. So that might have been the issue is St. Louis was just sitting back and playing defense. And so Pasher was not able to get out on one of his like rampaging runs. So they never scored a second goal. So that game also finished 1-1. Overrated. And... <laughs> <laughs> so I think that goes into, you know, I think that's what goes into what we talked about last week and then what we talked about on Monday again was just the idea of like, do you want to see St. Louis on the ascendancy or do you want to see Indy on the slide? And I'm not sure which one I'd rather see in the playoffs, but we're going to get one of the two. <laughs> and at this point, I mean, Indy's in the slightly better position. Uh, I mean, because they've got the slightly easier schedule. Um they have completed their games against Louisville. So, you know, like I'm going to favor Indy just because of that, right? Like yeah, yeah, St. Sure. Louis beating Louisville is huge. Tying Louisville is helpful. Um, losing to Louisville and they're in trouble um, because if Indy gets a win, uh, doesn't matter what happens in the game, last game of the season between the two of them, uh, St. Louis couldn't catch them. So St. Louis needs to get at least a point out of their Louisville mm-hmm. game. Um, so I'm favoring Indy, you know, and I don't mind that. Like, if, I don't mind it either. They have to, takes, either way, they're coming right, to high marks. So right, and you know what? Like, like if it, if it, if that's what it takes, is shutting Tyler Pasher down. Are we a better team than we were the last two times we faced them? We're playing yep. better overall. I mean, um, was I happy with the result against Loudon? Um, yeah, I, I wish I could have seen some more. But Loudon came out. They played. They played well. We found a way to win. And that's what I think the Hounds need this year. And I'm not sure we've seen against some of the best opponents that we've played in the past few years is finding that way to win when it's not going your way, when you're not yeah. having your best game, when the game plan on the opposite side of the field is one that's shutting you down and taking away some of your big tools. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I said it for a while. I'd rather see Indy. At this point, I want to see Indy telling me that they're going to beat us three times in one season. Sure, it could happen. Do I think it's likely? I, I think we're we're coming into that game with a little bit of vengeance and showing them how good we really are and that they've got one weapon and he's not that good when he doesn't get the ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's it, it's unlikely that they get us three times in a season. Um I'm not, yeah, I'm not concerned about either team. I, we, we'll, I'll take either of those teams. Either way, they're coming to Highmark or in a super unlikely scenario, mm-hmm. we're going to Louisville. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it's something that I'm not worried about. Yeah. Either team coming to Highmark and trying to get a result. I think we're a better team than the first two times we played Indy. I think we're a better team than when we tied St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm not concerned. Yeah. And I mean, I guess hey, 
you know what? If we play indie, it means we don't have to play uh, who uh, our, our guest from last week, Hunter, thinks is the best keeper in the USL. And I'll take that, Correct. right? Like, <laughs> Was he maybe Correct. being a little bit of a, a homebody because uh, his relationship with, with Kyle? Maybe. Is there an argument to be made? Absolutely, I think yeah, you absolutely. could say that Kyle Martin, Morton is one of the better... For I sure. mean, at least... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm putting up there as top elite USL goalkeeper, yeah. at least. Yeah. At sure. that point, it's just personal opinion, I think. So, um, sure. I'll, I'll, I, I don't mind. Um, so, so the bottom line is, in the East, there's really only uh, a couple teams that are sitting in third place that have a chance. Like we said, North Carolina, they've got to win out, hope that Birmingham and, or Charlotte uh, lose a game somewhere else, uh, including the game that North Carolina would beat them in, to then uh, be tied on... Or, or to win the tiebreaker uh, of 25 points with eight wins compared to those one of those teams having seven wins. Um, long shot for them, um, especially because they have to play both of those teams. So, you know, even if those teams draw against North Carolina, they're both in. Um, more of the big question there is who's going to be in first, I think. And then, like we just said, St. Louis and Indy. Um, everything else is confirmed in the East. Um uh, in terms of at least who's going to be in the playoffs. Um, I'm looking yep. pretty clear about uh, the differences. Um, Charleston might catch Tampa Bay for first place. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Um, West looks a little more, uh, overall, a little more dynamic and interesting to me. So, um, I mean, tell most me what you're that, looking at in, in the West and, and what you see. Um, I mean, most of that is... Most of the stuff happening in the West is because the games have been canceled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a little bit up in the air as to whether that's even going to get figured out or if it's just going to kind of end up the way that it has ended up and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really, I mean, I'm not worried about the West in the sense that um, I would love for, um, I mean, yeah, I would love for us to finish as top in the league and not just the East. Um, I think San Antonio is the only team who can actually finish above us as far as points, and they would need to lose. Yeah, they would need to lose one game, lose or tie a game, um, so that we could finish. Um, so that we could finish up there with them, um, and that would you know give us the chance to to host a final if we get there against anybody. Um, but it doesn't really matter until we get there. So uh, the West doesn't really matter to me. I do think that one interesting thing out West is uh, group B uh, and kind of the second place battle in group B San Diego Mm -hmm. sitting in second place right now, um, but only have a actual 9% chance of finishing in second place um, due to the fact that the teams behind them are only one point behind and have games in hand. Um, LA galaxy is right there. And I think, you know, they're interesting. And then a team that a lot of people consider one of the better teams in the West, Orange County, is uh, right there in that battle, too. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's going to be an interesting, you know, last couple games to see if either team can catch San Diego, if San Diego can sneak in in their first year, um, or if they're going to um, kind of struggle on the way out. And then same with us, uh, kind of our situation, then Charleston, Tampa Bay, that situation, Reno and Sacramento, I mean, both really good teams. Uh, they play each other this weekend. Both will mm-hmm. have two games after that. Um, and it's really going to depend on who kind of wins those games as to who um, right. finishes in first place. 
Yeah, so that, that group B, that is interesting. Um, uh, and, and also because San Diego is in second place, Phoenix is in first place. However, Phoenix has to play both Orange County and L.A. Um, mm-hmm. in two of their last three games. Um, so there's no guarantee that they're going to be sitting in first place at the end of this either. Um, no, no, no. Yeah, it, it's just interesting yeah. to see. Kind of, that's a battle, yeah, and it's going to be—it's it's a four-team battle. So it's the most interesting one of, yep. I think, what's left. Yep. Um, um, so it's—it's it's like a, it, yeah, it's so very interesting. I have no idea what's happening in Group A. Like, if there, there's, I think, it's been a few canceled games, um, or postponed games, and I don't know if they're going to make those up. If they do, I believe Reno could actually is actually in the position to. Uh, gain the most points um, because they've only played 13 games and they're on 31 points. So they could technically end at 40, but I don't know if they're going to actually make up those games because it doesn't have group playoff uh, implications. And so then I'm wondering, and I have no idea because I have, don't think the USL has really fully announced this or figured this out of if teams go into the playoffs without uh, having played a full slate of 16 games, how are you seeding teams in the playoffs for home field advantage? Is it total points? Is it points per game? Does that give an advantage to certain teams that played less games? So um, I, I, I'm just interested to see if that's going to be the case because, I mean, that group is locked up. Um, yeah, like... I mean, Reno, Reno and Sacramento, they play on Saturday. Right. And then they both have two games after that. Yeah. So it, you know... Reno or Sacramento can't even catch up to Reno. They can only get within two points, but then, then it depends on what happens in those other yep. two games. And then, but if they, if Sacramento would lose to Reno on Saturday, then that would kind of clinch it for Reno. Right. So then I'm not sure that Sacramento play games, you know, right. like I'm not sure they try to play the game. So, right. um, I think, nor Reno I think at that right, point. I think Reno would still play the games as long as the teams are healthy. I mean, I think everybody would still... Because they would have to... Home field advantage would still matter at that point. I don't know. So, I yeah. think... I think you're right. Still but play they've the never... Games, like, but, nobody said anything about right, it. Nobody's, so an, nobody's announced yeah. anything yeah. yet. Yeah. So, it's, it is interesting. So it's just a, a weird situation with the... Three schedules games. Um, and then Group D. Yeah, you said San Antonio is the other team that um, could finish with more points than the Hounds. Um, they've got uh, two games left, uh, and those two games um, I find interesting, um, if I'm looking at it correctly. Okay, now things aren't showing properly on their page. <laughs> um, uh, when I looked at it before, I thought I saw that they play both Austin and Tulsa, um, who are the teams fighting for second place. Um, so, I mean, they've locked up their spot in the group in first nobody can catch them but they're playing the teams that are looking for results to get that second place spot um with a number of games to go uh austin up to three games tulsa up to four games depending on what actually gets played and what doesn't so just another one that's that's interesting and yeah i don't know it'll be it'll be interesting to see Yep, for sure. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, most of the playoff teams, I think, I don't think many of these groups, I mean, I think Group B might change a little bit 
depending what LA and Orange County do over mm-hmm. the next three games because San Diego only has one game left. Yep. Um, you know, so that you know that probably will change. San Diego's probably not going to finish in second place. Other than that, you know, I mean, Tulsa definitely could finish in front of Austin, and I know they've got that weird canceled game that they're not going to play unless they need to. Um, you know, St. Louis could finish in front of Indy, but not looking necessarily likely. North Carolina could sneak in, but not necessarily likely. So of the groups that have not clinched their playoff teams uh, yet, only really two of them, Group D and Group E, are like, <laughs> are like there's, you know, I, I think Group D, Group E are, are kind of up in the air as to which team gets in, which second or third place team gets right. in. And then Group B is like the interesting one to watch to see yep. kind of what happens. And then almost every other group, like, they're still the battle for first place. So, you know, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch over the next couple of games and the next couple of days and weeks. And um, hopefully the Hounds, I mean, I, I really, I mean, other than that, I just kind of focused on the Hounds. And, it, like, if they can, you know, win against Hartford, kind of clinch first place, uh, you know, not get a bad result against Union 2 to finish off the season, then I'm... I'm happy going into the playoffs. So I just, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to see a loss in the next two. If we put out a B team lineup against union two and only win one, nothing, that's fine with me. Um, but want to make sure we're going into the playoffs on a good <laughs> form. A uh, couple just stat things that I think we should probably cover as we're headed into this game this weekend. Um, the river hounds have played Hartford four times in the last two years are four O and O in those games. Hartford has never even gotten a point against the river hounds. So that is kind of what's happening going in previous results. Pittsburgh won the first meeting three, nothing on August 28th and then won five, nothing on September 12th. Um, so decisive results that way. A couple of things as we've been keeping track, um, as the seasons of the season has gone on. The Hounds are on a club record pace with 2.64 goals scored per game. Per game, They had 2.4 goals scored per game in 2004, so 2.6 would shatter that. Um, in addition, we're only giving up 0.57 goals per game. Um, so we were at 0.76 in 2018. So, um, again, shattering that record. Um, yeah, I mean, all these kind of things are just... Obviously, it's a shortened season, so you're not getting 34 games to kind of even out some of this stuff. Um, but the fact that we have not had kind of a blowout, um, a blowout thing, a blowout game, or, or anything where we've lost big, um, is good. So, other things that uh, we have as many clean sheets, eight as goals allowed. Um, so we've had eight clean sheets and given up eight goals uh, in 14 games this season. Um, we lead the entire USL championship with a 32% conversion rate. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this team's just good. I don't know what else to say about that. This team is good, and this team is good with our captain kind of holding defensive midfielder injured for half the the games we've played basically right like like it's not like we've been full strength the whole time right like I mean, we had a number of players that didn't start the season and are now making an impact and then when you lose kenny forbes uh and you're still going out and winning right like that to me just emphasizes again the 
quality and depth of the roster uh, that we see. Um, and I mean, every year, at some point in the season, somebody poses the question, has the USL passed Bob Willie by? And you know what? Five games into the season, I was asking myself that question. And I'm like, has it? I don't think it has, but has it? No, it hasn't. <laughs> um, I, it's just like, wow. Like, you, you look at what happens, and, and this team went from question marks to this team could be anybody in this league at any point, and I'm going to expect them to do so frequently. Yep. A couple of interesting, just like, you know, we've talked about the conversion rate a ton. Just looking at some stats this week and, and things that I thought were interesting, uh, a couple players within that stat that I just want to pull out, and these are not going to be surprising players, I don't think, in this in this stat. Uh, Anthony Velarde has five shots on target and five goals. So every shot on target that he's put has been in the back of the net, I think. Uh, and then Robbie Mertz has eight shots on target with five goals. So almost every shot that he's put on target has gone in. And Ryan James has six shots on target with five goals. So those are three of the players tied with five goals. Steven Dos Santos also has five goals, but has 11 shots on target. So not quite as good, but that's just kind of life of a forward situation. Are you kidding me? Come on. He's, he's converted less than half his shots on goal into actual goals. I, I, don't, I don't know. Get rid of... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, if you want to compare that to the rest of our forwards, Rafapa Mensa is 12 shots on target, six goals, and Dequa is five shots on target with two goals. So both of them are running at about 50% as mm-hmm. well. So I, it's, you know, Danny Griffin is three shots on target with two goals. So... <laughs> It's, I mean, when these secondary players are getting into the box and they're taking shots, they're putting them in the back of the net. So, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to kind of go against either of any of these players and, and what they're doing and, and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, these stats are just pretty incredible as, as we kind of lean toward this last game yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's hard to kind of look at... I mean, just looking at these stats, I mean, it's just hard to kind of argue against anybody being... You know, it's like... Uh, we're on a current streak of five wins, two home wins, four road wins, consecutive games with a goal, seven consecutive games allowing one goal or less, five. You know, we're on a five-game shutout streak. I, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's hard to argue against what's happening. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we have, what, how many goal scorers? I, I lose track now because now I have to actually count. Uh, one, two, three. 12, 12, 12 people have, have scored for the Hounds this season. Um, half of them have scored two or more goals. Yeah. Right? Like, that that's awesome. I, I mean, it's awesome, but it's also kind of insane. Like, I, I haven't gone through team by team. I, I haven't gone through any other team, right? But I doubt there's a team that has kind of that diversity of goal scorers. Um and that also comes with some guys that you might have expected to see. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe just Kenny Forbes not having found the back of the net this season. Um, it, it's just, I mean, the goals are coming from everywhere. Anybody has the opportunity to score with this team. We're getting a lot of goals. We're getting a efficiency of goals, as we said. Um, keep shooting. 
keep scoring. Yeah, I mean, clean sheets, and I mean, those are the things we've been doing. Keep doing those things, and like, bring it on. Who's going to do what against us? When you look at those two goal scorers or more, like people who have more than two goals, only uh, only three of them. Yeah, Dequa, Dos Santos, and Lucas Fernandez. Only those three uh, don't have like have less than two assists as well. So. <laughs> You know, Robbie Mertz, five goals, two assists. Danny Griffin, two goals, two assists. Uh, Velarde, five goals, two assists. Mensa, six goals, two assists. Like, they're also distributing, you know. I mean, it right. hurts to see Canardo Forbes at zero goals and seven assists. Uh, and ha- hasn't been able to add anything to that because those are all in the first, like, three games of the season. But, um, but we're, yeah, we're rolling without arguably our best player and captain, Yep. I, I think the other really interesting aspect of that is like you look at the guys that are with uh, two goals, right? Like it's Dequa, Danny Griffin, and Lucas Fernandez. Um, a guy that came in really late. Uh, a guy that plays much deeper in Danny Griffin. And a guy that is not been a starter, right? Yep. So it's like you're looking at guys that are either not in the position um, or haven't had the time to add to that um, yep. so it, it's just interesting like the guys that are in attacking positions often Mensa, Velarde, Mertz, James, Dos Santos uh, are scoring and scoring almost seemingly at will um, and Deke was starting to show that he can do that too yep so I think I, I gotta say I really like uh, what I've seen with Albert Dequa. Um yeah. he's got a little bit of like a little bit of swagger but just like seems to have a great personality he got called for that uh that yellow card the other day and it was like his reaction to it was just like what like come on like but he had a big grin on his face like okay come on you got like like i just love watching that in a player that like he knows he got caught he's gonna like give the ref a little bit of a pushback but not in a way that's like argumentative he's just kind of like you gotta be kidding me um I, I like what i see from him both like in terms of his actual play but then his attitude uh definitely one of the one of the guys I'm, I'm glad to see here in Pittsburgh and I hope we see him again next year and see a lot more from him and I have no reason to think that won't be the case yeah I mean yeah I like I like him a lot I like the way he's kind of shown up and played um you look at just you know his st- 10 shots five on goal um two goals obviously um happening um he's had I think I forget what the stat that I'm looking at is you know 93 minutes per goal so i mean he hasn't even played in that many games but he's scoring a goal a game almost um when you look at just some of the other stuff he's only gotten one yellow card he's also conceded seven fouls so um and he's won four so he's a physical player that Mm -hmm. is going to you know he's gonna make it hard on opposing defenses all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean he's a player that um is rocking and rolling so Mm -hmm. i yeah i mean this team is good and it's hard to really find any stat where you're like oh this is a little bit concerning that the riverhounds don't do this um you know one of the things that i always been a little bit on the hounds about is their is their passing percentage and passing accuracy has always been kind of in the lower lower levels in the league it's never been really at the top of the league but i think it's because they play so 
you know, they want to get up the field quick. They want yeah. to counter. They want to do these things. They play a lot more riskier passes mm-hmm. than a lot of teams do. And so I'd rather them do that than pass around the back to have an 85% accuracy rate. Mm-hmm. But when you start looking at individual players, when you look at guys like Velarde and, and, and uh, you know, Forbes and Griffin and, you know, you look Mertz, you look at these guys and they're passing. I mean, their passing accuracy is up in the 80%, which that's what you want to see from your midfielders. Right. Um, you don't mind if your defenders are throwing some long balls up the field and those aren't being completed. But when your midfielders are able to pass it around at 80%, you know, at an 80% rate, then you know you're moving the ball around well and, um, you know, finding open players and all that kind of stuff. Well, right. I mean, and if you look at the, the passing accuracy from the Hounds, um, uh, Velarde, Mertz, Van Kaisel, uh, Lindstrom, uh, Forbes, and Griffin are all above 80%. Um, now, of those guys, Mertz, 634 passes. Tommy V, 691 passes. Kenny Forbes, 542 passes. Danny Griffin, 450 passes. It, it's not like these guys are like rarely touching the ball and passing. They're passing and passing a lot and doing it well. Um, yeah. and, and it's not to take away from uh, from Lindstrom, right? Like, I mean, 83.6 uh, passing percentage. He's got 183 passes. Maybe that stays long-term. Maybe it doesn't. Not not really relevant to that discussion, I think. But but more the fact that you've got guys that are passing passing a lot. Um, and, and really, I mean, you really then only throw uh, Jordan Dover into that, like, uh, 450 and above, uh, and Skylar Thomas, 450 and above, right? So you've got your other, like, two other defenders coming into that group that are uh, passing a lot, right? Um, the crazy thing to me is Jordan Dover has the most passes of anybody on the team, um, and he's still at 76% passing accuracy. Um, when you're passing the ball over 700 times in the season, or in 15, 14 games, right? Like, that's almost that's more than fifty passes a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's good to see them passing around. Right. I think, and I think you know, even just looking at it right now, their team stat as far as passing is seventy six point five percent success right. rate. I think when I looked several weeks ago and was like, ah, oh, come on, guys, it was like at seventy two percent. So even in the last five games or six games, you know, whatever it has been since I looked last, they've improved it by four and a half percent or four percent. So, I, I mean, I think it, it just shows how good we're getting and how much cohesion is happening on the field and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, you love to see it. And I think there's really, there's really other than that, though, there's really nothing. You know, we've played 14 games with 24 yellow cards, so less than two yellow cards a game. We don't have a red card. We're w- winning close to as many fouls as we're conceding. Like, there's just nothing really that you can look at this team and go, oh, my gosh, what is happening with this team? Um, so it's we're clicking on all cylinders. Hopefully, we can continue to click on all cylinders and take that into the playoffs. Yeah. All right. So since you last gave a score prediction, uh, Hartford has uh, has tied a game. Um, uh, yeah. So I mean, you see a little bit from the other teams, not from the Hounds. Do you want to change your score predictions? No, nah, I'm sticking with three one. I like. I just. I mean, I think like. I don't think we're gonna go. We're definitely not going to go the rest of the season and like shut out all the way through a USL final. So we're going to have to give up a goal at some point. And I like, obviously I don't want to lose this game. I would like to be a little bit scared in this game. You know, like I would like to see the team 
get a little bit of a scare. Like if it's like one one in the seventieth minute, and then the Hounds score two to kind of ice the game. Like great. I think it's just I I'm worried. I'm just a little worried that we're being lulled into a. I like we're playing lots of bad teams. <laughs> and we're winning convincingly, but we're playing statistically and given the eye test, bad teams. <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm a little bit concerned that we're being lulled to sleep a little bit. So I'd rather us like, I, I'm hoping that we kind of get into this game and maybe get a little bit of a scare before finishing it off. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree with the sentiment completely, right? But I'm kind of torn. I I don't want I don't want us to give up a goal before the end of the regular season. <laughs> I don't think we'll go all the way through a playoffs without ever giving up a goal. I mean, the, the opposition's going to get better. Um, but I, I'm also like, if if we dominate Hartford and Philly, like that's meaningless. And but I also don't want to scare from those teams because they're not very good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Like I kind of feel like we need it. But then I'm like concerned said, if we get it. Like <laughs> and I'm I concerned said, if wanna, we don't get it. Like I just like I want a little screw bit this of crappy a group, okay? <laughs> screw this crappy group. <laughs> I want a little bit of a scare. Not a lot of a scare, a little bit of a scare <laughs> going into the playoffs. Do you think we didn't get that uh, on Saturday against Loudon? No, I think we played a bad game. And I think those are two different things. Like I don't okay. want to see us play a bad game and get a scare. I want to see. I want to. I want us to still play a good game and get a scare. Hmm. You know. I think like we we didn't look good on Saturday. We didn't look terrible. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, we look terrible. We're the worst team in the league. You know, we didn't look terrible, but we didn't look good. Loudon also looked motivated to beat us, and I think those two things sort of combined. I'd rather us play a really good game where we look like ourselves and look good in this game. And then, and still get a little bit of a scare. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I, you know, we had chances in this game, but it didn't feel like it until you kind of watch it back on highlights and mm-hmm. see all the chances, um, all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I need the game to actually be. Um, but I just, I'm not sure that I want to go like five o five o in the next two games, and then take that in the playoffs and have to play Indy. You know, mm-hmm. it's just. Indy's not a team we're going to beat five nothing, right. so I don't want us to go in having thought we can beat everybody five nothing. So that's my concern. Yeah, yeah. that might be an overreaching concern too. I, I it might be like uh, I'm really con- you know like whatever, but I, I think I'd feel much worse if we were in the position that Hartford has yes. been in all season, where they have the one out of group game, right? Like. I think we're experienced enough. I think Bob's experienced enough. Like our players, enough of our players have seen the rest of the league. Um, we've got very few guys that are first-year players that have never been in a game against a better team. Um, whether those are guys like Dequa and Mensa who played in the league last year, they've seen other teams, right? Like, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, a couple of the defenders that are new and uh, Danny Griffin. Right, like, like those are the young out of college guys that haven't seen as much. Mm-hmm. But even then, I mean, Griffin played in those games against uh, uh, Indy, Louisville, and St. Louis. Right, like he's gotten time. He can see what, he's seen what those teams can bring. Um, I'm not concerned. I, I honestly think I'm we, not concerned. We grow our goal differential by quite a bit. Um, yeah. Um, 
yeah, we're going to win both of these games. By how much? I don't know. By a combined, I'm going to say at least by a combined plus five goals. <laughs> All right. We'll take that. That's, that's, that. that's where I'm going. I'm not giving scores. I'm taking six points plus five goals on the goal differential at the end of the season. All right. Uh, I probably, I didn't want to lead with this because I think it's smaller news than what it actually is. But uh, according to the Hounds release today, uh, Canardo Forbes is no longer under the ineligible for selection this weekend. I'm not going to say he plays in the game. I don't think he plays in the game this weekend. But I, I I'm see just him saying, getting a like 90 second minute appearance because whoever's in the stands this week then gets the chance to like freak out right like like i could see that happening he's not going to get meaningful playing time i think coming right off after just coming off the list i don't think he's going to get meaningful playing time in either of these games but i'll but it is good to see that he's not on the ineligible mm-hmm. for selection list uh jaleel Asani is still the only player on that list so everybody else should be available. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think our lineup's pretty much set. We've seen it every week almost. It's, you know, it's it's some combination of, you know, midfielders. You know, there's only four of them that generally get picked in that, you know, Ryan James in the holding spot. And then whether it's Velarde, Mertz, Dos Santos, Griffin, depending <laughs> how Bob is feeling that week. Uh, and what he's seen, and then up top you're getting Dequa, Mensa, or Dos Santos, depending on whether it's a two forward or one forward situation. Then you got your back five. I mean, the really the only other two positions that it seemed contested really uh, might be goalkeeper, but we've seen Vidiello for five straight games. I don't know what that means. Um, and then I think the only other spot might be that other center back opposed of Skylar Thomas uh, whether you go with Bunk Anderson or Lindstrom I at this point I don't have a preference between the two of them I think both of them look good I think they're a little bit different in the way we they play I think Bunk Anderson's a little bit smaller so he plays a little more with his feet I think Lindstrom is a little bit bigger so plays a little more physical but other than that (laughs) I don't really see that much competition happening yeah um yeah, it's all about tactics, I think. And and it's a good problem that Bob Lilly has. Like, how do you get all these guys on the field, especially in the midfield and attack? Um, yeah. And the, the difference between this year and last year, I think, and we saw it in that Louisville game, you know, Bob is sitting at the end of that Louisville game with two subs, right, and doesn't use them because he doesn't see a player that can come off the bench and make a difference at the end of that game. I think the same this year is very different in the sense that depending how we set up, you can't put all the different difference makers on the field at the same time. And so you still have, you know, if Dequas played 85 minutes, you probably still have Dos Santos or Mensa on the bench that you can bring Mm -hmm. in. You know, you don't have to put Griffin, Mertz and Velarde on the field all at the same time. You can keep one of them on the bench for later in the game. Uh, as far as defenders, you still have, um, you know, if, if Dover and James or some of the outside backs are getting tired, you still have Rivera you can bring in. You know, it's it's really interesting right. the way we're playing this year that it's just it's different than last year. It's not like we have 
last year you see you saw Bob almost make you could almost predict the subs every game. He knew exactly who he's bringing in and almost the exact minute he was going to bring them in. And this year it's a little bit different that kind of depending on the starting lineup, you know the subs that he's going to bring in, but depending how he sets the starting lineup up, that will change the subs that he brings in in the game. Right. So I just think it's like it's it's different than last year a well, little bit. Right. And and the reality is is when you look at the midfield and attack, uh, somebody's left out of the starting lineup. Um, and then even beyond, I mean, whether that's going to be one of the strikers, Dikwa, Mensa, uh, Dos Santos, um, uh, or one of the midfielders, um, I, I mean, you're taking one of those guys out, you're maybe taking Anthony Velarde out, and you've still got two on the bench, right? Like, two yep. guys that are really strong. And that, then you're also then looking at, oh, hey, made those two subs? Oh, look, I've got Lucas Fernandez sitting here. Yep. Like, Yep. That's great. <laughs> yep. Plus, plus you can plug Danny Rivera as in as in like an outside midfielder, right? Uh, and and keep your outside backs who right. you trust and who have played the whole game. You can keep all of them on the field, and then you still have right. a lot of outside help. So, and who knows what's going to happen with Tony Walls now? I mean, he made an appearance. Yeah. Yep. Don't know what to expect, but like, hey, he's got playing time. Yep. Yep. It's it's an interesting. We're in an interesting scenario. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we'll. I mean, I think we'll. I think you and I are both in agreement that this game shouldn't be too hard this weekend. That it should be a thing. And uh, fortunately, Hartford dropped some points, so they're probably a little bit demotivated. Uh, so we'll see. But two games left, and then playoffs, and we'll be with you all the way through. Yep. I think. All right, Justin. Well, we'll talk again soon. <laughs> we will. We will. Well, thanks to our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, uh, Icarus FC. They both do a great job and have done great things for us. Uh, Mask and jerseys. Uh, so, so we love them. Thanks to the Beautiful Game Network for continuing to uh, allow us to be on the air. Thanks to Mike and Josh and Kev for allowing us to do this every week and kind of talk over and with them. Um, and, yeah, if you need to find us you know where to find us you probably found us through social media anyway so you probably know where to go back to find us and uh join our patreon interesting conversations happening there every week so jump on there and uh yeah, yeah if you're not that, a fan we'll... mike picked a team mike picked a team we'll leave it at that for now <laughs> <laughs> all right well have a great weekend steve and i will talk to you after next week Alrighty, see you later. Alright, later.